Father, we thank you. We thank you for the, the excitement that we can have for your word because it is your word. It is what you have revealed of yourself and your truth to us. Lord, it is, it, it, you breathe it out. It is inspired completely by you so that we may be adequate. We may be equipped for every good work. That, that we recognize that we need this word. We need your teaching. And, and Father, we thank you that, that, that part of the, 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 the affirmation that your spirit is in us and working is the desire for your word and, and the delight in your word. Lord, and so, Father, we pray that you would, you would, through your spirit, be working in our hearts to delight in your word, to desire your word, to yearn for your word, to, to hunger for your word, Lord, because, Lord, you were represented there. I think of the psalmist, God, who says that the, the, the one who meditates on your word will be like a tree planted by streams of water, that tree like the Garden of Eden, that tree like the new heavens and new earth. And, Father, we pray that we would experience a bit of what Eden's like and a bit what the new heavens and earth is like as we would encounter you through your word this morning. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we've been talking about the church. We've been talking about the church. It's a, it's a people, not a place. It's not just any people. It's a regenerate people. And it's not just any group of regenerate people. It's a, it's a group of regenerate people assembled together in covenant commitment to one another. That is the picture of the local church. Um, and, and, and we talked about that it is... It is that people as a whole and as individuals have been invested with the authority of the who and the what of the gospel. They're responsible to know the gospel, to proclaim the gospel, to to defend the gospel. They're responsible to know who are the right gospel confessors and who to care for as gospel confessors, to to love one another, especially in in, in the body of Christ. Um, But beyond that, there's also an authority that is is implied, and actually it's explicit, in, if you look at Hebrews, of, of some sort of leadership as well. So there's an authority of every believer, but there's also an authority of, of leadership. And so we're looking, there's two major leadership designated offices in, in the New Testament. Um, and we're looking at the first one, and we'll finish that either today or next, either today or next week, and then we'll look at the second one. But we've been looking at this first leadership office, which is three different names for the same office. Elders, overseers, pastors. Three names, same office. And we spent some time two weeks ago, we spent a little time in review last week, so I'm not going to do much this week, of how these three titles are used interchangeably throughout the New Testament to talk about the same office of leadership. Elder speaks of this really speaks of, his, of an office of leadership. Um, uh, overseers speaks somewhat of a, a function um, of leadership, and we see is it's, it's used as a verb. And this function is tied closely, which we're going to see in a review in a second, to this idea of pastors or shepherds. That that word pastor. Um, means shepherd. And so there's this aspect of, of overseers and shepherds that are tied together. Shepherds are those who oversee and overseers are those who shepherd. And so we're, 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 we're going to look at that, review that just real quick because that goes into our next um, aspect. And we started looking at well, who are these people? And, and, and we see in Ephesians their gifts to the church, but their gifts that really more important than function um, is, is, uh, is qualifications of character. 
That, that is the most predominant focus as we looked at First Timothy, as we looked at Titus, that we see that, that, that God says the most important thing about those who would hold leadership office is, is not their gifting, is not their calling, but their character. Their character is what really defines their ability to, 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 to have that office. In fact, that character, which would exemplify really what is called for every believer, that they're those who could say, follow after me as I follow after the example of Christ. And so, yeah. Oh, yes, yes. Sorry. There you go. So, that, uh, so that's where we've been. Um, and we, we talked about that when we look at qualifications for elders and overseers and, and pastors, that one of the most important things in that is looking at mutually interpreted passages, right? And so, for instance, uh, 1, Timothy 3 and t- 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1, same author, same human author, obviously same divine author, author but same human author, with a, talking about the same subject with, in two different, slightly different ways that help us very importantly to mutually interpret those together. Also, the first part of 1 Timothy 3 and the second part of 1 Timothy 3 are very important as well because you see that elders and deacons, and you could, we'll say deaconess, we'll talk about deaconesses uh, when we get to that subject, but elders and then deacons, deaconesses are also talked about in very similar categories as far as the importance of character and so you say, well, what's the difference, right? So, the, so the, those sort of mutually interpretive categories are helpful as we're trying to understand that. And that's where we are kind of ending up to this question that people want to jump to. But unless you do the groundwork, it's sometimes you, you, you maybe don't necessarily get quite the right answer is, okay, well, if, that, if it's all about character, what's the function? What do elders, overseers, and shepherds do, and pastors do? And, and here's the temptation. The temptation is to jump to this question and to get there by, by, without really looking through what the scripture says, right? You either bypass character, which, is, which we've seen too many times in the church, right? Where someone's gifted, someone's called, someone's popular, and so they become, they become with, you know, look to what they can do instead of looking who they are. So there's a problem there in the church. Um, the other problem is that sometimes you can just take one title, Right? Well, they're a pastor. Well, what does a pastor mean? And you, you, you don't see that they're, they're interwoven with these different definitions and these different pictures. Because it's interesting that nowhere in the New Testament do you find a job description of an elder or, or overseer pastor. There's no job description. It emphasizes the character qualifications, but nowhere is there a job description. There are places where it is exemplified. We see the example of what pastors do. We see the example of what elders do. But it's not laid out as a precept for here's what they do. Which you just can't find in the New Testament. And interesting enough, when we get to deacons, you're going to find the same thing. So it's, interesting. it's just interesting where Paul is saying he's worried about more about the character of the people than necessarily the function of the people. That leadership, at least for Paul, is more concerned about someone exemplifying godly character than necessarily any, you know, looking at gifts and callings and ability and function and some of those things. But as a practical church, we do have to ask the question, what do elders do? Right? We could say, we want to make sure we get through character, we want to look at all those things. But then there's a question, when the elders get together, what do they do? Right? And, and do we get to make that up? Does, does the church get to say, I, well, here's what we think they do? I, I'd say no. And, and, uh, 
but, but I, it's because I think, but what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to, to say, now that we've built the foundation of what Paul said, I think we can see some things rise out of that that help inform us uh, when we look at the function of this leadership office. First of all, let's, let's go back to these, these titles and, 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 and look at some of the descriptions of how the people in this office are talked about in two important passages. Uh, first, turn to 1 Peter 5. So we looked at this, I think, two weeks ago. First Peter 5. All right. Uh, starting in verse 1, Peter writes, So I exhort the elders, so he's speaking to elders, again, single office. We don't want to separate elders from pastors, elders from overseers. Biblically, it's all the same office. So I speak, uh, exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. So Peter, even though he's an apostle, he's writing here in, in, in particular local church terms and in particular local leadership terms um, and a witness of the suffering of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that's going to be revealed. So what does he tell the elders? What, what is he exhorting them? This isn't a job description, but we're seeing that Peter and exhorting them, and here's what you need to be doing, that this, this gets somewhat close. What's, what's, uh, what's the command here? Shepherd. Shepherd. That's the main verb. This is when we talked about this the other week. We talked about the importance of the main verb in the passage because the main verb is shepherd, the flock among you. Shepherd, pastor. So... Let me tell here's what the elders do. Elders, pastor. What is the verb that elders do? Elders are, are, are those who pastor. And so, so to pastor, to shepherd the flock. And then you see another verb. It is a, it's, it's verb-like, right? You see exercising oversight. And we talked about that anytime there's an ing, ing ending on a verb, it's, it's, it's a certain type of verb, right? If it's exercising, what, what type of speech is that? You want to remember? Thank you, Judy. I don't even think Judy was here, but she knows. I think <laughs> participle. It's, it, it, it is it, a participle functions to describe the, the verb. Participles cannot exist on their own. You can't just say, uh, you just can't say, Craig, walking. And so, but participles help uh, are, have to be related to a verb, right? You're saying that they are, they are sh- they're shepherding. Shepherding how? Exercising oversight is a picture, is underneath this, this verb of, of shepherding. They are to pastor. They are to shepherd. And one of the ways they are to do that is to exercise oversight. So we see that, that we start to see, okay, well, there's this tie-in um, of that what, 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 do, what, do, what does this office do? What's part of their function? Their, part of their function is to be shepherds. And part of what it means to be a shepherd is to be able to, to exercise some oversight. Who should exercise oversight of the church? It should be the shepherds of the church. You see, so we're starting to see a little bit there. And then we're seeing, we see a similar theme, not just from Peter, but also from Paul. If you turn back to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter, verse, Acts chapter 20, we see the Ephesians elders coming to Paul. Um, and and uh, Paul's, Paul's 
um, talking, you know, talking to them. Um, and, and actually, let me start in 28. We're going to look at the context in a second here. But let's, let's start in 28 here. Uh, pay, cl- careful, cl- or pay, pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So, so, so here, before they were called pastors, or she- they're the shepherd, the verb, and then the, the way that they shepherd is to provide oversight. Here, the, the, the na- it's a noun. You have been made overseers as a noun, right? Been made overseers. And what, did, what do overseers do? To shepherd, to pastor, to care for the church of God. What does an overseer do? An overseer pastors, an overseer shepherds, an overseer cares for the church of God. And so we're seeing that there's this, these, these pictures there. Now, here's the, the one, the, the, uh, uh, and, and this is what, you know, what elders do. Now, what does that mean? So when Paul is talking in the context here, what does it look like to care for the church of God? And this is also the, an error I think we get into with church in the sense of saying, what, 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 what is good shepherding and what is good care? And, and we can operate with a couple different ways to answer that question. We can operate that of, what does a good shepherd or care mean to me? Really modern felt needs, right? Approach at it. Here's what I would want that to be. I get to define that by my experience, Right? A little bit related is, well, I was in a church and they did this and that seemed to work, so it's based off tradition. So either personal experience or tradition. The problem is, is my personal experience and my tradition may not be what Paul is saying. Pragmatics. It is, it's pragmatics. So the first question we need to ask is, when Paul is talking in context here, what sort of things are, is Paul thinking about is, 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 is a, being a um, shepherd? And, and as you think about what he's doing here, he is transitioning this authority or this, this, this picture of shepherding. He's saying, I, I cared for the church, and, and you need now to care for the church because I don't know if I'm coming back. So we start to look and saying, how did Paul exemplify this care, this shepherding? And if you look in the context, right, um, <laughs> Look back a couple of verses. Look back. Verse, so before he talks about how, um, um, he, I mean, gosh, I mean, we could just do so much there. But he, he talks about his ministry in Asia um, te- and, and how he talked about verse 20, that he did not shrink from declaring anything that was profitable, teaching in, in public and from house to house. So what did Paul do in his ministry that he's saying that he did? He, he was teaching the word. He was declaring the word, um, testifying to believers and, and unbelievers there. So it's not, just, it's not just an evangelistic ministry. It's a building up the church and, and teaching ministry. But then he says, I'm going to be, I'm not going to, he's like, I might not be coming back. And then look at verse 25. And now behold, by the grace of God, uh, behold, uh, know that none of you among you have I gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I'm innocent of, of the blood of all. Here's what I did. Here's what's important that I did that, that, that he's going to imply that they need to be doing. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. That's the context. That's what happened right before when he tells them, when he tells them to be, that their overseers called the pastor, it flows straight from that thinking. What defined for Paul in this section what he did to care for the church? teaching sound doctrine, the whole counsel of God, to guard and teach and both on, a, on a, a public whole church level and an individual level, that there is a, a teaching of sound doctrine. And it's interesting, he says, now you're to care for the church. And then look what happens right after those verses we looked at. Verse 29, 
Verse 29, there's a warning. What's the warning? I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, sparing, not sparing the flock. And from uh, among yourselves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples for them. Why is it important that they, they shepherd, they over, bring oversight and shepherd the church? It's because what is the danger? Being deceived by false teaching. False teaching. So you see, you, so, so the, the, the grid that Paul is using here, is shepherding more than this? Yes. But, but we need to start by saying that for Paul, a foundational aspect of what does it mean to be a shepherd, a pastor, to, to, to provide oversight, to be an elder, is all rooted in teaching sound doctrine. You, you guys see the context there? Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's teaching, but then it's also putting that into practice. And then, you know, that, he, that was exemplified. I'm teaching you in public and from house to house. He's having relationships yeah. with them, personal you know, interaction. He's not a megachurch preacher who shows up on Sunday for three services and, and you don't see the rest of the week, right? Yeah. And he also has a sense of self-sacrifice about it. There him. is, like, yeah. It's not his own life that's the center of everything. Yes. He says, I think that, uh, however, I consider my life nothing to me. Yep. Only I have to finish the race. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The church doesn't, doesn't rest on him, right? The right. church rests on the gospel that he's proclaiming. Exactly. Yeah. And, 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 you know, but to, just to circle back around, that, that underneath all of that, Paul's concern is, and, and can you look at some pragmatic and some practical things about how should you, how should people good, provide good oversight and how should you be good managers and how should you be good, che- yes, all those are important, but those are, should spring from that, that, that these, these are people who are grounding everything they do because they are people who know, know God's word and they teach God's word. That, that's foundational. Now, when we start, so when we start to think through that way, we start to see, and then if we combine that with Ephesians, and Ephesians talks about really the single gifting office of pastor-teacher, right? Shepherds, who are, who are the people who shepherd? They're the ones who teach. Teachers are shepherds, shepherds are teachers, right? These shepherd teachers. We start to see this, this distinguishing aspect. Uh, turn back to 1 Timothy 3. Why we, we ended last week of saying, what is the main difference in the elder list and the, or the overseer list and the deacon list in 1 Timothy 3. That the, the main different qualification between elders and deacons is that elders, what? Have, are able to teach. Deacons have to ha- hold firm to the faith. They, 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 they better, you know, they, they're holding firm to the faith, that they're, 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 you know, but, but hold to the mysteries of the faith. But the elders be able to teach. And so you start seeing that this is a, this is a pattern here, that we're seeing this, that this is a pattern that what does it mean to be a pastor and overseer and elder? It means it's someone who is able to teach. Now, here's the big question. And, and, and what does that mean, right? And, and again, here's the problem. The problem is we can approach that one of three ways. 
we can approach that of, what does a good teacher mean to me? We can approach it to, what does a good teacher mean in my tradition and history in the church? Both of those aren't wrong questions in the sense of, they can be helpful, right, of, of improving as teachers. But, but the first question we need to ask is what? What are they teaching? And even more, yeah, what does scripture say? Paul, there's a, yes, this is divinely inspired, but Paul is not just, just writing, I don't know what this means, and I'm just closing my eyes, and whatever I write, it must be God's words, right? Paul had a human intention and human definition in mind here, and the way we understand what the, the Holy Spirit meant is we understand what Paul meant in context, right? So what did Paul mean by a good teacher, did he mean he must be able to command and, and, and the audience of, of thousands and have good rhetoric and, 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 and be funny? And, and when he makes a joke, you laugh. And when he tells a story, you cry. Well, what, does, what does Paul mean? Well, I, I think, again, the important way is mutually interpretive passages. He's not very clear here, right? All he says, right, is, if I'm right, right, is able to teach, right? Yeah, verse 2 able to teach. That's not very much. That, that, I, 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 I'm not even sure. I might even be one Greek word. I don't have my Greek New Testament in front of me, but it, it's, it's just, there's not a lot of details there. So there's, there's a lot of danger of reading into Paul, my ideas. But the first place we need to do is mutual interpretive passages. Turn over to Titus 1. Does Titus 1 help us clarify what Paul's thinking there? Same subject, same list of what you look for in elder, overseers, pastors. But you don't find the words able to teach. What do you find that is a parallel statement in Titus 1? Yeah. He must be able, so there's an ability, but instead of teach, it's much more detailed. You see, how the, you see the more clarity, the clearer scripture? What does he say here? Give instruction and sound doctrine and also rebuke those who contradict it. Positive and negative, right, of understanding doctrine. He's able to, to give instruction, you know, to, to build up, and he's able to, to rebuke when, the, when, 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 it, when there's error. Well, there's no able to teach there, right? But it's, it's much more clear. It's more flushed out. So what does Paul mean by teaching? I, that seems to be what he means by teaching. That, that being a good teacher, as far as Paul's concerned, is not about, are you good with rhetoric? I mean, I, I think you could also look at 1 Corinthians 1 in that. But it's not about rhetoric. It's not about style. It's not about those. And, and it's interesting. I mean, I th- can't think of how many times over the years you look at definitions of able to teach and you start looking at these qualifications. I think of definitions of teaching that Paul never would have intended, right? That, that, that's not his focus. Now, would you want to look for a main preaching elder, certain other elements, right? Clarity and, and you know, engagement and rhetoric. Yes. Certainly, but you don't want to read those into this qualification. Does that make sense? And so, um, so the, 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 the qualification for elders is not who can preach well. C- can we be honest? There's probably some non-Christians, if we define preaching as rhetoric, style, engagement. They could, actually, they're pro- they're actually, there are some, some, I would say, probably non-Christians with giant churches and pulpits that are preaching. They are really good preachers. 
you just, they're very entertaining. They're very engaging. And you walk away going, man, that was a great sermon. And I would say that, that based on their doctrine, they're probably unregenerate. Right? So, so being, this, able to teach is not about who can preach well. But who are the people who, who are able to instruct with sound doctrine? Who are those that when people in the church have questions about the Bible, they go to those people and those people can a- accurately and soundly instruct them in Scripture? Who are they able to defend Scripture when there's error because they know Scripture well? That is what Paul's talking about teach, with teaching. Now, I want to support that thought and I want to support it this way. I want to just do a quick, uh, not too long, quick, quick survey of the pastoral epistles. First Timothy, second Timothy, Titus, written to people who are either, either you know, really kind of viewed as, as in, in a pastoral function and, a, you know, appointing elders to be like them in, in the churches. And I want you to see how this theme is predominant of teaching sound doctrine. Anytime that teaching's involved, sound doctrine is there. And anytime that it has a theme of teaching, maybe the word teaching isn't there, but the theme of teaching is, it's always about sound doctrine. That what is important for Timothy, for Titus, and for their leaders, Paul is, 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 is all about sound doctrine. So turn, turn to 1 Timothy, and we're just gonna go real quick. I have the scriptures listed in your notes there, so you don't have to write them all down. Um, and I'm not gonna make, I'm not gonna do any giant comments, I think, because I'm just doing a, just an overview survey just to see this, this function here. But if you start in 1 Timothy 1, verses 3 and 4, just to start, even starting the letter, I urge you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus, here's, here's why you remain, so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine or devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies or promote speculations rather than stewardship from God that is by faith. All right, so Paul's, here's, what is Timothy's ministry supposed to do? To, 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 to teach sound doctrine or refute those who, who, who don't. So that's, that's what Timothy's supposed to be doing. First uh, Timothy 1, 7, that there's these certain people, they desire to be teachers of the law without either understanding either what they're saying or the things which they are not, uh, which they make confident assertions. Here are the people that should not be elders. Right? There are people who, they're, they, they're very good teachers. They're, they want to teach. They, maybe they're good at teaching, but they're not teaching sound doctrine. Do not, the, the contrast would be then in a couple chapters later, those are not the people who should be elders. Right? You see that? Uh, chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. Uh, Paul tells Timothy, if you put these things, these things, what, what are these things? The, the, this doctrine. Uh, before the brothers, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have followed. And then because of that, have nothing to do with these other things. Right? So then again, the importance of sound doctrine. Chapter 4, verse 13. Until I come, devote yourself. Would, devote to what? As, as, as this leader in the church. Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching, which is flowing from that, that earlier passage in 6 and 7 and on sound doctrine. Uh, verse 16, he, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this. So what does it mean to keep a close watch? What does it mean if you're watching the teaching? That's like the, um, the Bereans. Yeah. Checking it against scripture. Exactly. So, so he's keep, watch, watch on yourself. Are you teaching what's here? 
what, what is sound doctrine, right? That, that even as a leader, you should be, you should be making sure that, 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 that that's there, right? So again, this emphasis on, on what does it mean to lead? What does it mean to minister as a leader, as an elder, overseer, pastor? Is, is this emphasis on, on, on doctrine. Uh, then in chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, um, if anyone teaches a different doctrine that does, and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and his teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit. And so again, this contrast between those who can teach sound doctrine and those who don't all throughout 1 Timothy. Same thing as 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.13. Follow the pattern of sound words, right? The sound doctrine that you have heard from me in the faith and love. What I taught, you are to be teaching. There's a pattern here. I taught it, you're to be teaching it, you're to train others to be teaching that same thing, right? Isn't, isn't just about, you know, the, 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 the well, we're, we'll get there in a second. Um, um, 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. This is where I, I wanted to jump here, but let's get there through, through our survey. 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust of faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Very famous verse about discipleship, right? Is it about discipleship? Yes and no. Yes, discipleship is one of the ways that this happens. Is, is Paul think, when I think about discipleship and the way Paul is describing discipleship and the way, the way Paul is probably thinking about discipleship, is Paul probably thinking the same way that I'm thinking about this verse? I'm not so sure. Right? Is, is one of the ways that we do this discipleship? Yes. Is, is discipleship one of the applications of this verse? Yes. Is this verse just about discipleship? No. This verse is about sound doctrine, the importance of sound doctrine. And, and, and what does it mean to be a leader? It's to train up other leaders. And what does it mean to train up other leaders? It means to train them in sound doctrine. And what is sound doctrine? It's not a different doctrine. It is the faith once for all delivered to the saints. You guys see that there's this, 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 this that's the, that is the emphasis here. Is discipleship a wrong application? No, it's a right application, but it flows from the verse, not the main theme of the verse. That makes sense? If, it, it, the, 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 if you think of a lake and streams, the, one of the streams coming out of this is, is discipleship. But the lake is about the importance of, of teaching and training in, 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 with sound doctrine. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, so that's 2, 2, uh, 2, 14 and 15. Remind them of these things and charge them before God. Do not quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has not, no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Our wanna worker should know that one, right? But and, and, and it's about sound doctrine, right? Is, is, is it, why are you not ashamed? Because they're rightly handling the word. What does it mean to rightly handle the word of truth? It's to, to, to be able to... to um, to, uh, to handle it rightly with sound doctrine. Uh, 2, 24 and 25, similar thing. Um, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil. So again, can we see this, this ability to teach? What does it mean to be able to teach? Look at verse 25, that ing. You see the ing? Able to teach by correcting, right? By, by enduring and correcting. So they're teaching by being able to correct, but correct with gentleness, right? Um, uh, 2 Timothy 3, 8, um, just as G- uh, um, Jonas and Jambres, uh, Jambres uh, opposed Moses, so these men also c- oppose the truth, men corrupted in faith and disqualified from regarding the truth. So again, there's true doctrine and there's false doctrine. Um, 
4, 1 through 4, talks about, uh, I charge in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is the judge of the living the dead and his appearance in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. Okay, so preach the word, complete teaching. What does that that mean? Look at verse 3. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, sound doctrine. Right, having itching ears. They want to hear their own thing. What does it mean to preach the word well? What does it mean to preach the word in season and out of season? It means that you hold to sound doctrine. Right? That's why that many people say that in season and out of season doesn't mean that if you need a sermon, you can come up with one on top of your head. It means that when it's popular and when it's not popular. It means that you're holding to sound doctrine. Um, look over at Titus. You see a similar thing in even the short book of Titus. Titus 1.1. 1, 1. From the very beginning, Paul, a servant of God and the apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth. Right? Uh, as apostle, he's grounding them in the knowledge of the truth. 111. Uh, there are certain people, false teachers, they must be silenced since they're upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. There are some who should not be teaching. He just talked about overseers or, or elders who should be teaching. And now he's saying, here's ones that should not be teaching because they, they don't have sound doctrine. 13 and 14, this testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply uh, that they may be sound in the faith and not doing these, these far, following things in verse 14. Titus 2, 1, similar thing. But as for you, teach what... It, so contrast to those false teachers, what are you to do, Titus? Teach what accords with sound doctrine, right? 2, 15, declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. What things? That these things that he's been covering there of the sound doctrine. Let no one disregard you. You see the theme of the pastorals? Or at least not the, the theme, a, this, this a major theme that when it's talking about leadership, church leadership, when it's talking about leaders teaching ministry, it's not about style. It's, it's not about rhetoric. It's not about can they hold the attention of an audience well. It's about do they instruct with sound doctrine and can they correct those who, who error? That's what it's about. Does that make sense? Again, I'm not saying that, Pat, I'm not saying that, 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 that a teaching elder should not be able to do those other things. Certainly, yes. You don't, you know, it's just, just, there are some practical things. You want a teaching elder that, yes, can, that's not monotone, Writing. right? <laughs> that, that, that just makes sense. But that's not the qualification. That's not Paul's qualification. That is a, th- there's room for pragmatics. You're sitting in chairs right now, right? And, and nice, some of you, nice little comfy swivelly chairs. There's nothing Paul says about that, right? But there's some, there's some ways that we can, we can think through with, with wisdom what we want to do in the church. But, but as long as it's, 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 we're not undermining what Paul's thinking or trying to read our ideas into what Paul's thinking of what an elder is or what a pastor is or what an overseer is, because what they are is someone who is, is sound doctored. You may have, and we have, someone on the elder board who is an introvert that hates being in front of people. Does that disqualify them from being able to teach? Not if you use Paul's definition. The question's not, are you really good in front of people? Are you great, a great teacher and command the audience? Well, again, there's a lot of people that would be, should be disqualified that can do that. But do you know the scriptures? Do you know sound doctrine? Do you hold to sound doctrine? Can you correct? Have we seen you? Have we seen your ministry of instructing with sound doctrine and correcting with sound doctrine? And, and that's, that's what's important. Yeah. I was just thinking 
human nature is yeah. to go absolutely the opposite. Yeah, way. yeah, yeah. To, to go to what appeals and what's yeah. popular and what's, yeah. And looking more at the style. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, along those lines, I feel like it's so important that we spend regular, at least me, spend regular time in God's Word because uh, I, I'm reading this book by Haddon Robinson about biblical preaching, and he says one of the easy things that we do wrong when we prepare to teach is we begin to look for verses that support our opinion. Yeah, yep, yep. Instead of reading God's Word and letting it speak to us and, and, yep. and going from there. He yeah. says it's a very slippery slope when you fall into that category. Yeah. Yeah. No. Ro- yeah. Rob- yeah. Robinson's great, and and, yeah. and, and he's em- one of his emphasis is right. Is you pull you pull it from the text, not into the text. Even exactly. good theology, you don't want to import good theology into the text if it's not there, yeah. right? And so um, that that. But yeah. So 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 the role. So if I, what's the function? What is the function of the elder pastor overseer? Elder pastors overseers, you could almost say that they are those who re-reveal the Bible. I, I, one, one author put it that way. I like it. That they are those who, they're the people who, who are able to, um, to teach the Bible. And, and, and not just, and, and teach, sometimes, again, that word teach can be, can be, they're able to instruct and correct with sound doctrine. Right, that they're the people, and that's what we, we want to make sure that we're looking for as elders. Right? Is it? Is it? I mean, and I love Davy. Davy's not the most, you know, he, he's not an Amway salesman, public speaker up there, right? He's not able to just just have him eating out of the palm of his hand. But when you look and saying who who's someone in the church that people go to when they need to be when they have questions about the Bible, they need to be instructed about the Bible, when there needs to be correction about the Bible, and who does that rightly with sound doctrine. I think everyone, you know, when, when we looked at David as an elder, everyone's going, yeah, that's an elder. It, it wasn't, he, he had, he was actually showing the function of an elder ever before we recognized him in the office of an elder, right? And that, that's really the goal of that. And so, and looking at that function. Now, and here's where I wanted, yeah, okay, I got some time. Here's where I wanted to get. This is what I've been building towards. When we understand that this sort of instruction, teaching, sound doctrine is the Function. That is the puzzle piece. The, 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 that is the, 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 that's the way the puzzle piece matches up of that question we've been asking. Wait a minute. If every believer has been given the authority for ministry and the authority in the church to, to do these things, but there's also given leadership offices that obviously there's an inherent authority, and we'll see in Hebrews, that, that we're called to honor and, and, and obey the, the leaders that God has given us. Well, if the, every church member has an authority, but there's also an authority of certain leaders, how does that work? Because it seems like they'd be contradictory. If everybody has authority, then there shouldn't be any other people that above them with authority. But if there's certain people that are given authority, that everyone's called to obey, then the other people don't really have authority, do they? But if you look at what is the function that elders fill, elders, pastors, overseers, it really fits together that we understand that the role of an elder pastor overseer is those who, who bring, bring the church into the word, whether through public teaching, whether through discipleship, whether through correction, whether through, through instruction. Uh, they're the people, they're, they're the men who are, are um, able to instruct in sound doctrine. How do they pastor? How do they oversight? How do they have a, an office of leadership? It's by grounding what we do in the Bible. That's where the authority comes from. The authority is not inherent in the office in, in a way. It, it comes from the, 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 the authority that comes from Scripture. 
It's based on their ability to counsel with Scripture, right? So, so in a sense, as a pastor, there is, there, there, there is an authority that God gives in the sense of, um, in Hebrews, it says you're to obey your leaders and so that, that, you, that every person is accountable whether or not they obey the church leadership that God has given them. But the church leadership, I can't go up to John and say, John, I'm your pastor, and so you have to go do this. That's not the way that the Bible is describing the function of an elder. The function of an elder would be drawn from the authority that Scripture brings, the ability to teach, right? To be the one who is gifted as a shepherd teacher, to say, John, you're living in this way. We're seeing this. Here's what Scripture says, and, and, and as followers of Jesus, we are those who've repented of our sin and, and we, we obey the Lord Jesus Christ because he is our Lord. And, and so, John, don't you see that you need to stop doing this and Jesus would have you do this. That's the authority that, 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 that this, this office has. And so, and, and, and um, there's one, one writer that I really enjoy and he put it this way, that in, 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 in life, but also what we see in scripture, there are two different types of authority that are given. Not, not necessarily that are described with different words, but described in different circumstances. So if you look at authority in the Bible, there are certain types of authority that God gives that uh, he calls the authority of command. Um, that there are certain types of authority that God gives, and he gives the ability to enforce that authority, where that, that, these people can say, do this, why? Because I said so, and I can, I can discipline you if you don't. Who gets that type of authority? Parents. parents. What do parents get to enforce that authority? Biblical language, Proverbs language. The rod. The rod. Parents are given the rod to enforce their commands. Second one, Romans 13, if, if, if you want a hint. So this one's Proverbs, the rod, Romans 13, government. government. Government can say, do this. Why? Because I said so. What if I don't want to? Then I throw you in prison or I kill you. Is that a God-given authority? Romans 13 says yes. Paul calls it the sword. Third one, Matthew 18. Church. Church calls the keys, right? Now, and, and some would say, well, the church is, is, the, is the leadership. Well, in Matthew 18, there's no mention of elders. Elders are implied, I would say, when you put it together with those scriptures, but it is the church assembly, is the church as a whole. We'll, we'll look at that in a second. There's another type of authority that you could call the authority, this person would call the authority of counsel. And the sense, these sort of authorities is the sense of where you're going to be responsible before God one day whether or not you obey that authority. But God has given no enforcement ability outside of counseling, teaching, and love to bring about that obedience. Um, let me give you a couple examples. Now, I would say parents here of little children, right? The more bigger you get, the less you can use the rod of multiple types of rod. So when you look at parents of, of older children and parents of adult children, you're, do you still have some authority? Yeah. Can you use the rod to enforce that authority? Less and less. How are you going to exercise your authority? 
Psychological torture. Um, oh, not command. Account, yeah, count, counsel. You're going to show them because of your love for them and because of the way that you would teach them. You try to counsel them. You bring about that obedience. Let me give you another one. Husbands. Husbands, do hus- are husbands given authority? Yes. Are they given any means to enact that authority? Love. Counsel and love, right? So, so you, you know, it, 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 there, there is, there is no, there's no means, right? There's no God-given means to enact that authority. There's sinful means, I guess you could say, but there's no God-given means. The way, how is a husband called to exercise their authority? By loving their wives. By saying, here's what God says we, to do. This is what we need to do. By teaching, by instructing with great patience, with, with endurance, the, the, through counsel, right? Now, is, is, is our, our parents called to, 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 to honor the, the, their parents and our, our, our wives called to honor their husbands, even if they, they disagree? Are they going to be held accountable to God one day? Yes. But as far as enforcing that authority, that's, that's, that's not there. And I would say that elders, pastors, um, overseers is a similar authority. Right? The elders, pastors, overseers have no, God has not given them a means to enforce their authority. That the authority comes in that office, comes from their ability to teach, their ability to counsel, their, their demonstration of the love and shepherding the church. So look at the decisions, that, as you look at the decisions of the church, the, the elders may choose to make decisions on membership. And, and we do, and I think that's, that's wise, and there's issues because of thinking through things doctrinally. But the elders can change a spreadsheet of who's a member of the church. But when ta- Paul's talking about a member of the church, is he talking about who's in the spreadsheet and who's out of the spreadsheet? No. He's talking about who's actually in those relationships of those covenant commitments. How is that going to be? That's something that only the church does. To bring someone into membership is not just, okay, the elders added them to the spreadsheet. It's to actually envelop them. Envelop them and and, and count them as part of the body. How is that going to be done? The elders cannot just declare that as an authority. They've got to teach the church how to do it. Yeah. So I'm thinking through the model of a shepherd and my rod and my staff would comfort me. That would be counsel Mm -hmm. and love and wisdom. Yeah. Not physical. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Guiding, exactly. Saying, Don't go that way. That's a bad direction. That's yeah. Wolves are exactly. Yep. Um, yeah. Up. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I yeah. 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 And, and that's and that's what that's what that's the that that's the authority. And so that makes sense. That that. That the elders, pastors, teachers are equipping the church for the work of the ministry. Their authority is the people, because the, the authority comes from that the word of God is the authority for the Christian. And those who would teach the word of God have authority to bring to bear of saying, not that thus saith the elders, but thus saith the Lord. Here's what God says, and here's what we're called to do. Same with church discipline. It doesn't matter if there's a vote, if there's not a vote or whatever, it, because you know what? If the elders decide to take someone off the spreadsheet of being membership and church discipline, that's not Matthew 18. Right. Matthew 18 is where the relationships the church have with that people change to one of being a Gentile and tax collector. And, and, and that's so that elders have to equip the church to actually be able to do that work of ministry.
The, the elders may have a, 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 a leadership initiative of outreach or discipleship, and they can plan and they can arrange. But you know what? The only way ministry is going to be done is they have to teach and counsel and encourage and, 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 and equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That, that, there's, that there's a naturally recognized authority of every believer, and the elders exercise that their authority is to be able to equip the saints for the work of the ministry because of the authority that comes from the word. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and I've heard John MacArthur say, and I think he's right, that when it comes to, when it comes to elders, elders' authority, it ends where the word of God ends. Right? It, it, we have to be, it, it's ground. My authority as a pastor, my authority as an elder, only, it's only, only comes from what God's word says. Right? And so, and that's sometimes, I would love to make other decisions. There are decisions that people make, and I'm, I would love just to say, you can't do that. You can't take that job. You can't move there. Thus saith Craig. But my authority ends where God's word ends. And there are, are decisions of, of wisdom. There's decisions of preference that, that are, are not given to me. Because I, uh, my authority comes as a pastor, as an elder, only what the, what the word of God says. And then chiefly, I'm to use that authority to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, that they would exercise their authority in, in being those who administer and being responsible for the who and the what of the gospel. You see how that really does fit together when we see how Paul puts those pieces there? Um, that it's not an either or. This, this idea of you have to be a congregational authority or an elder authority. Well, Paul, Paul doesn't operate by those categories. Paul says that there is natural authority in both, in every, every Christian and in church leadership, but they're different, and they're actually they complement one another um, when when, it, when it's done according to to, to as God's uh, desire. All right, I went over a little bit, but I wanted to, I wanted to get that through. We're going to look at deacons next week, um, and so we're going to look at deacons and deaconesses uh, the next week or week or two, and um, and and a similar thing, just just to build build up from what Scripture says, and 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 trying to not just emphasize pragmatics. But what does really Scripture say, and how do we build build our pragmatics on top of what Scripture has there? So, any final questions, thoughts, comments before we break? No, I really appreciate you doing that, especially all those verses we went Yeah. Yeah, that the positive and the negative had importance. Yeah, not not just be able to teach what's there, but be able to recognize and correct when there is when there's error. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say you're right. When you start looking through the pastorals and you start looking in, in in that in Titus, right? Titus, he says, able to both instruct and correct, and you see that flush out that it, it is a, a both and, right? It's not just someone who who can who can do a, a um, great. Well, let me tell you what the Bible says, but also recognize that something's smelling funny here, and, and I can and, I, and we can we can correct that. Yeah. Oh, oh, praise, praise God for that. Yeah, and I, I'm thankful. I, I've enjoyed, I, I, I've said before, this is one of the things I, I enjoy the most that, that I, I'm able to do in ministry because it, it forces me to dig and, and, and uh, so I could, I could give out of the overflow of really what, what God's doing and teaching and challenging me. So it's, it's good. Yeah. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for the goodness of your gift, of your word, and of your, your teaching instruction that you have given us everything we need from life for godliness through your word that teaches us about who you are. And your ways. Oh, Lord, that you would teach us your ways that we may know you and walk in your truth. 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.